Hey guys, I'm Rich. And I'm Ruben. And welcome to Clarity, where we discuss the ideas and experiences that shape how we think and live. And in today's episode, we'll discuss how America's emergence into a post-Christian society can actually be a good thing. Yeah, it's about looking in the mirror, huh? Yes, looking in the mirror. Why should we question our beliefs? Before we question our beliefs and discuss why people leaving Christianity and not identifying with it anymore could be a good thing for Christianity. But first, Ruben, let's talk a little bit about our weeks. This is the first recording session in our batch today. What's going on with you, my man? Well, um, I'm alive. Uh, Rich, uh, you've been staying at home here uh, with us. And yes. Him and uh, Chelly, uh, his wife, we had a good time last night. We played some retro games, uh, mm. played Mario Kart 64. You got wrecked? <laughs> I got wrecked. Twice. I, I remember that good. I was good at Mario Kart 64, but apparently I'm not that good compared to Rachel. You're very good. I think we're very comparable. I know how to drift. You do. I. That's the thing. I felt like, man, I'm so elite because I know how to do. Because for those yeah. who don't know, in Mario Kart 64... And it's in yeah. all the Mario Karts. I actually learned this from the Mario Game Boy edition and then used it back on 64. Yeah. When you when you get into a drift, you hit the bump button the hop and then you pick your direction for the drift. And then if you take and you take your um your joystick and yep. pop it left, right, left, right, left, right, each time you do that, it's gonna change the color of the little sparks coming from your wheels. Yeah. And after the third time, you're going to get a boost of yes, speed. Yes. That's equivalent to getting one of the mesh mushroom bonuses. And so you could be getting that yourself every time you drift. Yeah. And so if you do do this and know this, it gives you a significant advantage. Yeah. So what matters is that he beat me at Mario Kart. I beat him at Street Fighter and I beat him at Super Smash Bros. And we're you, fine. We're you fine. beat the living daylights out of me <laughs> in Street Fighter. And, and I'm not even that good, but it's um, okay. You barely beat me in the original Super Smash. Uh, I was Barely. just I was letting you win. I was letting you practice and stuff. Oh, and we also kind. played the Smash Ultimate, so that's that's oh well. Smash Ultimate. That's the thing, like, cause this the Switch controller, the 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 was it the B the A and the B are in weird spots for me. Mm, and so, so used excuses. to N64. Like, if we got on an N64, I feel like I'd be. I'm actually not really good at Super Smash, to be honest with you all. That's one of my favorite games, but yeah. I like it, but I'm not good at it. But Mario Kart? Yeah. Pretty. We should have played Mario Kart 8. I have the Switch, so we can do that. I feel like I've, I'm still going to claim a Switch disadvantage. We'll see what happens. Here's uh, another thing I have to say to you, too. Ruben did not know about the banana break trick. No, I did not. I think no. But we're talking a lot about Mario Kart. But for those who are interested in the banana break trick about how you can run into a banana at Mario Kart and not have to slip up and go, oh no, and then be blocked. That you can actually avoid that. Um, and it's not a cheat, it's a built in thing that most people don't know about. Hit us up in the Facebook comments or Twitter comments and I'll reveal it to you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> or you probably just Google it, but this is more personal. Come on. Who yeah. would you rather hear it from? Uh, yes. And now our topic, our conversation is about. Uh, why should we question our faith? And there's a situation going on, you know, that there's a mass exodus of young people from the church. I mean, leaving church. Do you mm -hmm. think that's a problem? Or how about we explain what mass exodus uh, means? What, what What is that? 
Very good. So with, let's define mass exodus. And I think we can take mass exodus and equate it. When we're talking about it here, we're really talking about the transition of our society into the post-Christian era. So today, um, in previous times, you would wake up in America here, or Canada, and Canada is actually doing this more speedily. Canada and England and Australia. Um, it seems like it's easy to compare English-speaking countries. Um, maybe that's a problem. Anyway, um, the point is they used to be primarily Christian. Uh, freedom of religion, you can be whatever religion you would like, but Christian is normal. If you're saying, oh, I want to go to something, you say, I want to go to church, it'd be a Sunday morning, and you'd feel like it's just normal to go there, even if you're not following the Ten Commandments in your life, even if you're not, you know. Just the act of going was enough. Was normal. Yeah. And uh, if you were going to get married, where would you go, Ruben? The church. Yeah, so you'd yeah. find a pastor. And there's still remnants of that. I, the South is holding on to that um, more more steadfastly than some areas are in some ways, but Yo. it still affects the South hardcore. And, um, you know, more insular Southern communities are especially holding on hard, uh, like um, where I serve in Robson but, County, but the North reason, Carolina. But the reason why they're holding off is because they believe that the past was better. You know, the yeah. past was the real good times. And mm -hmm. it, it was, it's not for a good reason. It's just for holding on to something that, To be honest, it may not be relevant anymore if we mm -hmm. keep the same model of church, if we keep the same model of those traditions, which traditions itself, they are not bad. Mm -hmm. But if they're replacing your personal relationship with God, if they're replacing your actually uh, your meaningful experience with God and personal, I think there's a problem there because it mm -hmm. is just a bunch of uh, to-do lists that you check, check, check. And once you're done, you're holy you are saved. Mm. And, and it's a big difference. That's, that is my, my, my issue with holding on to things. And, mm. and, and this is why today's topic is important Yeah, because we should question those things. When you look yourself in the mirror, I don't want to look myself right now. I just woke up. <laughs> and, <laughs> but when you look yourself in the mirror, you realize that there are some things that you may or may not need to change or do in order for you to have a good presentation i guess and and mm -hmm. in the christian life it's not about our presentation it's not about external thing we i wish we could have like a spiritual mirror and in mm -hmm. in, in some aspect we do have it in the we bible do. we do yeah god's law um so defining post-christianity post-christianity is now in today's society in some places and and more than normal you'd say oh who's tell me about jesus christ and they might say They might say, oh, he's that, he's that guy in the Bible. They might say, that's a cuss word I'm used to hearing. Yeah. Uh, the Advent, very popular Adventist preacher, Ty Gibson, said that, yeah, he knew Jesus Christ simply as a cuss word when he was growing up in, in uh, L.A. And so that is a lot becoming more and more of our society. And what we're telling you today is people not knowing as much about Christianity and it just not being normal to be Christian. Before it was, Christianity is normal, but I'm not a Christian. Yeah. And then it just became, we're not Christians. How, what is interesting, though, is that people that are post-Christians, they, I'll, I'll say, they don't like the Christians, but they like Christ. They like yes. Jesus. And I've been checking out Reddit last night. I was scrolling about the situation of Notre Dame, how they're mm -hmm. raising funds. And they said, like, yeah, they don't need more money they because, because they have a lot of money already. And, 
and why I don't think Jesus would like to spend so much money on a building. I don't. Go, I'm not gonna go into details of that mm-hmm. argument, but I was checking the comments and people, and it's like, yeah, I mean, Christians for the most part are bad, but Jesus and people, those people were atheists or for the mm-hmm. most part skeptical atheists, and they'll say like, I think that what Jesus stood for was a noble thing, mm. but what Christians are standing for now, it is probably not the the real thing. So there's a big dichotomy between the teachings of Jesus, which are accepted for many people that are not even Christian mm-hmm. and Christians that are supposed to follow the teachings of Christ. So that is my, oh man, there's a big, a big debate there for me. Mm-hmm. Why, where, where are we failing? Why are we not connecting to the teachings of Christ? If we are ourselves to be called Christians, <laughs> And the thing is, I would may would respond and say, yes, we are. We are following the teachings of Christ. These post-Christian foolish atheists who don't know it, the truth, just misunderstand that they just knew better. They'd understand that we're right and they're wrong. Spiritual things are spiritually dis- discerned would be the argument applied in that situation. And, um, you know, I think there's some things where that might be true. But as we're going to discuss today, part of the reason that leaving that post-Christianity exists is because the Christianity status quo was fallen. Yeah. But it's not adequate. Does not represent Jesus. They're right. Um, I believe that our friend um, Gandhi was right when he said, I like your Christians, but not your, or your Christ, but not your Christians. Hmm. I think he could be right. And I'm saying that as a pastor who believes in Jesus and believes in following him. So, Ruben, why don't you tell, give us a little bit of the history of how we got to a post-Christian society? Well, it, let's be real. The church is a reflection of society at some point when mm-hmm. it comes to the cultural trends and how are we as a church trying to move on. Sometimes we don't realize that we are in this world. and like if we go to the 18th century, the Enlightenment, you know, there was a time where everything was recent, 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 you know, mm-hmm. that they glorify the ideal, ideals of humanity, that we could achieve many things. But then on our modernism, own. Yeah, on our own. We didn't need God. Extremely uh, high view of man. Yes, extremely high too view. Too high. I yeah, think. I think too, too high to the point that we were so high that we fell in the next era, mm. which was uh, the modernism, you know, the, the horrors of World War One. And then we see the industrial and say like, well, we may be good as, as humanity, but we need to work hard. And that's how the industry started mm-hmm. and, the, and the factories and the many things. And, and there was a, a, a period, modernism, 19th to 20th century, that was focused on the self-consciousness. Like, let's be real. Let's not be idealistic. Let's be real. But now in the late 50s, we start this uh, movement, which is where we're living now. I mean, you could argue and say like, no, we are beyond that. Post, 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 or neo post, 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 post. Yes, and that's the postmodernism <laughs> that people blame it. Christians blame on postmodernism for many things: for the mass exodus, for the issues that are happening in their church, mm-hmm. for the kids that they are in their phones. They blame the postmodernism. What we don't actually realize is this is the times that we are actually living. We cannot change the times. We cannot change our history. We can change what we do with what we have. 
what we can do with what we have. And in, in this moment, questioning is part of our, um, of who we are pretty much as a society. Uh, back then, generation, our generation before me, probably uh, when uh, parents were raising their kids and, and the parents will say, hey, do this. And the kid will say, why? And, and, and the dad will say, because I say so. Mm-hmm. And the kid will say, okay, I better do it because otherwise it's, gonna, it's not going to do well for me. But in this generation, kids, people say that they are disrespectful. But for the most part, for the most part, I'm not going to put a blanket statement there. For the most part, people, when parents ask the kids, hey, do this. And the kid says, why? The kid really actually wants to know why. Mm-hmm. The reason behind the, the command or the, or the advice. Because it's, it is necessary for this generation and postmodern world to analyze and to know, to question why. Because the answer will depend if you actually will do it or not. Previous generations, I think the issue has been, oh, this is a good church. This is great. I like this. And then they enter it. But then there has been a questioning. And then when that questioning starts to happen, then they'll leave. But if we we can take this and be proactive. Um, you had a really good metaphor. And ultimately, let's just clarify something here. What we're not saying is we need to change what the scriptures say. That will, that and respond and change our beliefs on them based upon what everyone will accept better. Instead, what we are saying is what we need to do without realizing it, we are doing that. Mm-hmm. And that is a lot of what is wrong with, with Christianity. In First Thessalonians, there is predicted, Paul predicts, the Spirit showed him that there would be a great falling away that the Christian church as a whole would fall away or apostatize, become corrupt because of a negative, intentional or or non-intentional, either way, corruption of, well, this is what the scriptures say, but we're going to do this instead, add this to it. And they added in negative influences that corrupted things, right? Mm. And the thing is, it didn't just stop there. This continued to happen. And continue to affect the church. This could be even happening with us today, where we take influences that are against the teaching that would create us so that us Christians are different than Christ. Yep. And it's happening without us realizing it. And the enlightenment can effectively can hurt how we do church, or in response and reality of that, help us be closer to Christ. And modernism, seeing that thought, can either make us huddle up and turn just hard away from it without realizing where, we're, where we are in relation to Christ's teaching and mess us up, which it did. There are things, Ruben, that, and we'll talk more about some of these beliefs that have infected what we think our own denominational thought space that yeah. are from the modernist age of us reacting against in a negative way and in a non-Christian way and we that are, pulled us away. We are building upon, like, it's like we're building a house and mm-hmm. we're just putting blocks one on top of each other as humanity goes and advances. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't evaluate the, the layers before us. Yes. Sometimes we just take them for granted. Mm-hmm. Some beliefs we think like, hey, this is how it's been. This is how we've done uh, church. This is how we believe and there's no way this is going to change. Not even for good. There's not even room for opportunity. 
in mm. most of our traditional churches. And and that is concerning because if you think that you know it all at the and, and you think you have it all, yes. at the end, you don't need a savior. You don't need yes. Jesus. You, there is no room for the Holy Spirit to work in your lives. It's on, only empty hands can be filled. Yes. This is and this is something that we're not coming up with as a weird postmodern millennial. Yeah. This is something that was drilled in as a powerful truth of spirituality in the writings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, one of the Seventh-day Adventist Church founders, Ellen White, in her seminal book, Steps to Christ. And even in on the, the chapter called Repentance, she, she opens by talking about yeah. this very issue, that pride is the most dangerous sin because it keeps us from depending on Jesus yes. for our salvation. It keeps us from growing. And so I kind of went down enlightenment, modernism. Now with postmodernism, the question is, are we going to, and post-Christianity, are we going to react to this well? Or are what we going to, what can we do? Talk, tell me about waves, Ruben. Well, the word challenge always brings us some kind of fear. Mm-hmm. You know, when we see, when we say, oh, I have so many challenges. That challenges don't actually need to be something bad in your life. And I see, and I say this, and when I listen to myself right now, I'm saying like, well, I'm having so many challenges in my ministry, in my personal life. However, I believe that God is putting us in, in front of those challenges mm-hmm. in order for us to tackle the issues, in Praise order for us to face them. But a challenge can either make you a better person, mm-hmm. improve your character, or mm-hmm. can destroy you. So mm-hmm. there, there's like this example. When I was a kid... I was born and raised in Lima and we live in the coast. And for mm. me, I really love bodyboarding. Like I got mm-hmm. one uh, bodyboard when I was a kid, well, one of my birthdays. And I just went there. I love swimming. I love being in the ocean and stuff. Mm-hmm. Not a surfer, but bodyboarding. It was fun. But We the- call that boogie boarding. Boogie boarding. Doesn't that sound goofy? I did that a ton when I was a kid too. also grew up on the coast. Yeah, well, so the thing is yeah. that I learned a really big lesson in life while bodyboarding. Mm-hmm. The, the waves, when they come at you, they crash at you. And if you are there doing nothing, mm-hmm. the waves are going to wreck you. They're going to yeah. destroy you. And you're going to go, I've, I've, I've been like washed out <laughs> from many waves and many times. Mm-hmm. And, and it's scary. You know, you, don't, you feel you don't have control, but at the end, you try to stand up and and, and keep going. But the key in bodyboarding is not to challenge the wave, but try to find the best way for you to use the wave for your benefit. Mm-hmm. You know, you ride the wave, you go with it, and you find that the challenge or what used to be a challenge is actually something fun. You mm-hmm. know, what wave, as big as it is, if you write it and if you go with it and you understand the reality that there's no way you can disappear that wave, you just need to ride with it. Mm. You actually can have fun in the journey, you know, mm. like when you do bodyboarding, you just go fast. And the same thing happens in our lives, mm-hmm. in, our, in, in, in this reality of postmodernism. There is a problem that we cannot disappear it. And I'm pretty sure that if Jesus were here, he would not disappear it mm. because it is the times that we are actually living that we need to realize that we cannot disappear them. We, and, and if we do nothing, they're going to wreck us. They're going to destroy us. Mm-hmm. We need to understand what's going on mm-hmm. and ride with it because that what, that's what God is calling us to do in these times. 
more than anything else, more than just building forts in our churches, more than just fortifying ourselves. No, no, he's calling us actually to seek for those people that are leaving our church. Because if they are leaving, for the most part, it's not because they have an evil heart. Mm. At some essence, we all have an evil heart. Yeah. And, and we all need a savior. But if they are leaving, it's because their questions are not being answered. And the mirrors are showing them that whatever Christ is teaching is not whatever we as a church are teaching. And yeah, man, uh, I think this is a, a reality check. Ride yeah. with the wave and realize that you cannot disappear it. And this is the time that we're living. In the future, mm. who knows? There's going to be even worse times. 100 years from now, if Jesus does not come, I don't know what the future holds. Mm. But today, this is the time that you and I, as pastors or as leaders or have young adults or whatever, we are here and we have to do something with what God has given to us. Mm -hmm. And wherever you are in your journey, maybe you're listening to this and you're saying, I'm not a Christian. I'm not interested in being a Christian. I'm just listening to this because I'm looking for insights for my life. Well, here's an insight for you. Whenever you're, wherever we are in life, things are changing. New ideas are coming in. And if you take this riding the wave metaphor with each of the waves, some waves are small and aren't going to take us anywhere. So we just bump, bump over them. Yep. And oftentimes when we're riding these big waves, there can be rocks in the way. We believe, Ruben and I do, that while there is a human dignity and there is part of that image of God, wisdom and sense of morality, that we're fallen in a major way. So if, there, if you're to say, let's just ride every wave and that can be taken to mean, well, if we're in the Enlightenment age, say, yeah, you're right about everything. Yeah, Enlightenment people. Everything. No, there are rocks in the way. And that's that oh, too high view of self is a major rock mm. that if we ride that into the rock, it's going to wreck us. So there are, there are definitely boundaries. But the point is to take what is good and ride with it. Yeah. Using the momentum of that age yes. and going where we need to go, yes. not just where it would pull us. Yes. And um, I just want to clarify that Ruben's metaphor because I know that's what he means. Yeah, I don't mean that we need to uh, leave ourselves to whatever the society is telling us to do. If it conflicts our principles, of course, we need to stop. We need to draw a line. At the same time, I feel that there is an opportunity even there. Uh, mm. Without compromising our principles, we need to go out there and not complain that there's too many waves, mm. too much waves. I don't know, too many, too much. There's, yes. there's, there's, the, there's the waves, but actually how can we do the best in order for provide for those people, provide for those people? Exactly. Um, so there's two problems we've isolated here. The apparent problem is people aren't Christian anymore. Yeah. It's changing. Oh, change the bad. Christian society. And the other one is, the real reason many are leaving because Christianity does not reflect Christ anymore. And here we have a solution, a moment of clarity thing that we've been exposed to. And this general concept has really woken Ruben and I up. This is one of the core moments of clarity for our lives. And it's this concept of deconstructionism. Let me explain this de this concept of deconstructionism. We're going to separate it from destructionism. Yeah, there's a difference between deconstruct and destroy. Yes, and I'm going to do this by giving us another illustration. It's the illustration of the table of truth. I'm borrowing it from the talented preacher, Brother David Asherick. 
And so here it goes. Every human is a theologian, is a philosopher. Because mm. each one of us has ideas in our minds that shape our lives. So we've either accepted or rejected. And let's say, here's the metaphor. Let's say each of our, each of our sets of beliefs, the things that we say, yes, this is what I believe, whether God's on that or not, is, there, is called our table of truth. Now, I don't know about everyone else out there, but in my home, flat surfaces have a magnetic power of attracting things to gather on them, if you know yeah, what I'm talking lay, about. Lay them there. If, there is, if, if you have a table, there's going to be stuff on that thing after a while, and you need to actively work on taking the stuff off, right? And that's the same thing with, you know, so our table of truth, every time, imagine you have your table there, and everything you believe is on that table. Every time you watch a seminar, listen to a podcast, read an article, look at a Facebook post, and you say, yes, that makes sense. I want that. It's like you put that thing on that table. But after a while, a lot of us can have these tables that are just so full. And then you have two approaches to handling a table you're not happy with. You can do the destructionist approach. The destructionist approach would be slide everything off that table, put it in a box, send it to Goodwill, take that table, send it to Goodwill too. That's destructionism where... That's what some people do. In their yeah. House. And yeah. specifically with Christianity, like, I'm done with this. This isn't working for me anymore. Goodbye. Goodbye. Here's an approach that I would recommend instead. That, and that's what Pastor Asher recommends. He says we should take and be willing to take everything off of the table and then place the most important thing on that table in the middle and to build everything around that. And based on that most important thing, what that is, that could make or break your table. And Reuben and I believe that the table, that the thing that should be at the center of the table of existence is that God is love, mm. that he's real and he's there. And this one applies more to the Christians. You have to forgive us. God is love. And then if you take everything and then you can then take everything that was on the table and then put it back and only allow it back as it fits around that central idea. That central idea. And so if it doesn't fit, put it in that goodwill box. Really a trash box. No one should own that. <laughs> um, and then, but guess what? All of a sudden, you'll look and you may have everything you had before on that table. Yeah. But now it's only going to be used for the purpose it was intended to. Now it's only going to fit around that. And it has so, a theme now. Yes, and it's going to transform. And it's going to yeah. look better. Yeah, it's like in decoration. There's a theme sometimes yes. when you decorate your room, mm -hmm. you decorate that table. The theme is the love of God. Mm -hmm. Whatever is compatible with that, it's going to be in that table. Whatever is not may not be in that table. And mm -hmm. that is an exercise of intentionality. Mm -hmm. And that does not happen from one day to another. And that's why it's really easy to give up and be washed out by the wave of the challenge. That's why it's easy to just find a way to leave church. But for the most part, there's this many surveys and, and interviews to people that are post-Christians. People agree with the beliefs of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and the teachings and the gospel. They don't agree with the people in the church 
as a way of self-righteousness. Mm. So I really like the idea of the table. We are going to bring this illustration really frequent and frequently in, in our topics in mm-hmm. because if you understand that in the center of your life is the love of God, mm-hmm. everything around you, like that's Matthew 6.33 says, you know, uh, what, what does it say? Seek Matthew? ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Yes. And then all these things. And imagine Jesus reaching out his arm and extending all these things will be added unto you. And these things would be some of the concerns. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact context. I think Jesus was contrasting about concern, too much concern over material things, too much concern over different family status. And what Jesus is saying is, if you seek me first, you're going to get the appropriate level. And it's just the exact same concept. Put me at the center of your table, and then everything that belongs on the table will fit as it should be. And man, this as you look this up, Ruben, this is so radical. This idea shook my life because what I had on my table was a bunch of stuff that doesn't fit with Jesus, but good Christians were advocating and obsessing about. Instead of watching Stranger Things or The Office on Netflix, I was watching conspiracy theories about how corruption <laughs> was slipping into the church. And I'll be honest with you, Watching The Office is a lot better for my Christianity <laughs> than a bunch of stuff that's encouraging me to be judgmental and borderline hateful Ooh, we're gonna talk and resistant about that. Yes, yes. against other Christians. For the record, I love The Office, man. So uh, We both I'm love The Office. Little, little bias in that Ruben aspect. spoiled something in The Office hardcore for me yesterday. I won't say what it was so that in case this conversation spurs you to watch The Office, you won't be spoiled. And the same thing with it's, the waves. It regards Michael Gary Scott. Well, same thing with the waves. Just if you think season one is a little annoying, keep going, keep going, keep strong, keep yeah. strong in your in your watching in your in your. <laughs> All right. So uh, <laughs> as you were saying, Matthew six was the context. What of, what are the these things? The, the context 6, was do not be anxious mm. because people were uh, anxious about their life, what they will drink and eat. And about the body, about what to put on. And then Jesus says, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Sometimes we worry about those little things in our table. And we don't realize that in the center should be Jesus. And he will take care of many of those things that we cannot take care of. The immediate needs. The immediate exactly. needs of the day to day. So that's how, powerful. The question is then, how does that look in uh, in the practical level? Because I, I understand that this concept of the table for for you that are listening to this, make sound really consistent. Mm-hmm. But then the question is, how does that look in my real life, in my everyday life? It looks like this. You look and you maybe you wake up and you take a time. It can look a variety of ways, to be honest with you. You can do this through prayer. You can do this through Bible study. You can do yeah. this by having by sitting down with someone else who has your belief set that may be in a similar thing. And I, I had that. I had a, a really good buddy of mine, Tanner Martin. And Tanner Martin, if you're listening to this, you were the king of studs. And I'm so happy mm. for you, my friend. I actually um, set him up with his soon-to-be wife. All right. He was That's resistant. But for real, I actually, you know how at your wedding, when you have the garter, you're apparently supposed to turn around and fling it. I just was looking straight him in the eye All and right. flung it in his direction. And the face. It, yeah. And one of my, one of my pictures on my, um, 
desktop is him catching it, being like, oh. But then a little while after, he got with his now fiance. So hot. So Tanner Martin was on a similar journey when we were entering the seminary, where he was coming from a set of beliefs and he was riding the wave out, but he was holding on to parts that were good and things that weren't. And I saw him really questioning. And so I got with him and I would have deep conversations with him. Sometimes that's how you'll ride the wave. And other times you'll do it just on your own, reading different things, checking things out, going through the full gambit. There is a guy named Henry Johnson, who's the um, young adult ministry leader for our conference here. Mm -hmm. When he went on this journey, he read everything, dude. He read Buddhist stuff. He read Hindu stuff. He was trying to really seek out and see, all right, am I just a Christian because that's what I was raised with or am I Christian because it's the truth? And this can look a lot of ways, but guess what? This is not going to happen overnight. No. It's a continual daily process and you should go about it however you go about it. I'd encourage finding someone who's, that was the word for me, having someone who's also on this journey, having conversations with other people of different perspectives, help me be awake to reality. It's like, wait a minute. White privilege is actually a thing. Wait a minute. Racism actually exists in America today? Mm. I wouldn't have thought that. I would have denied it previously. How could I do that? I'm white, but and, I and did. With, with you know? this, we're not telling you that you should go and seek and everything. <laughs> like, uh, for, for example, I heard like a person say, that I want to I wanna seek everything. I want to know the world. It was an Adventist person. Mm -hmm. I want to know about New Age. I want to know about Buddhism. I know about this and that. And then I'll just come back to church. Uh, that is destruction. That is not deconstruction. Because, Tell me more. Because like when you are actually not putting Jesus in the center of your mm. table and you say, I'm going to put whatever makes sense, then you are actually destroying what, where you, what your table is. And you're just destroying everything and just doing a fresh start. We are not a lot of advocate. We're not advocating for that. Because sometimes extreme changes are not good. Mm. In your life, if you have an extreme change, it's usually because you've encountered a big stressful situation or, or a trauma or something that uh, may not lead you to a, probably for the most part uh, to a logical situation, to a, to a peace and balance in your life. I, I've met people that were from the most liberal to the most conservative side, from side to side. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've, I'm I've, I've done about. that. Or, I've done from side to side. Or there's people that means for the most conservative side, they just go and all in, all out, everything, everything, it doesn't Deconstruction. matter. Deconstruction. That's destruction, I think. So what you're saying is take the core of what you want and then reevaluate that. Is there a time and a place to stop and say, is God love though? Well, that's, that's a question that we need to ask in our because own Because certainly we are in saying, hey guys, we're not like those bad Christians before. We're saying reevaluate. But take this for granted, and you're bad if you don't. But I, I want to attach that kind of perspective. But there. there is this other question. Should you know about, let's say, like, uh, I, I don't know, like, Satanism, like, but not the, not the, not the one that is, like, uh, pretty much a skepticism, but the one that actually does. Like does real Satanism yeah, that really yeah. thinks that. Yeah. Do you really need to go God. there? Do you really yes. need to go there in order to find out that God is love? Hmm. That's the thing. I We would suggest, in my experience, I would, I would just say, I have found God to be love. And if you're the best way to understand the difference between truth and falsehood, 
is to better understand the truth. And so if you're coming from a Christian background, I would say before you would reconsider, I would recommend trying to better understand what you have. And for those who are on the background saying, well, I just don't have anything, I would commend to you Christianity for a variety of reasons. But uh, let me just say this. If a loving God who cares for you in every way, whether it's securing justice for you, encouraging you to a better hope and future, and treating you not as you are, but who you could be in him of your own choice, not by him brainwashing, but of your own choice, if that's attractive to you, we encourage you to set that idea that you would like at the center of your table and see what fits around that. And we believe that the true teachings of scripture are around that. And if you test, I believe that if you test the criterion of Buddhism, test the criterion of Hinduism, and if we love our Muslim friends, love them to death, but we, you know, we're honest in saying we don't think Islam in its core best fits around that either. Now, the, the issue is as well, we need to realize about the center of our table. Mm-hmm. We believe that God is love, but we don't, make, we don't want to make it sound to you that it's a circular argument. God mm-hmm. is love. Why? Because God is love. Because then we are falling in the same trap <laughs> that, mm-hmm. uh, that the parents will say, like, because I say so. You need to experience by yourself that God is love. Mm-hmm. If we are telling you that it's, that's, that may be in the, the center of our tables, we seen in our mirror, we looked ourselves in the mirror and mm-hmm. in our spiritual mirror and in the circumstances of my life, I've seen that God is love. Now, you need to experience that yourself. You need to question your own faith and own experiences, own journey. I cannot tell you. I mean, I can preach that God is love. But I will encourage you to find that out in your own life. Because if I tell you, hey, God is love, you got to believe that. And, and, and you say, hey, I believe, but isn't this like a circular argument? Like you just start with it and finish with it and there is no base to it. That's why deconstruction is so important because your table is different than my table. Mm-hmm. There's many things there. Yeah, and so ultimately what we're pointing to is the idea that that de- that table orchestration and decoration, just because you put something on the table because you thought it fit, doesn't mean it's going to stay there for forever. Exactly, it's a journey, and I, we believe that more the more you're open to further discovery, it's you're going to become as you continue this journey, you're going to become more and more open to reality, more and more willing to pull off your biases, and so it's going to be like a, a spiral, where oftentimes we think it's like an elevator, where we just pop in and say. I'm going to go up to the eighth floor of ultimate truth. When in reality, it's more like a staircase in an old school, old school castle. Yeah. Where as you go up, you're going around here and around there and around here and around there. Where you're doing a lot of lateral movement in addition to the upward movement. Yes. Because that's just part of the journey. That's part of our struggle with humanity. It's part of our struggle with and part of our difficulty to access the new information, which is going to take us there. But we fully believe that this God of love will provide us the time we need to make this journey adequately enough to know him enough, to choose him, and to make a difference. And just, just continuing that spiral element, when you yeah. go to the Word of God, which is the Bible, mm-hmm. it transforms you. Yes, You are being transformed. You are no longer, if you let, of course, if the Holy Spirit it. Work, it, work in you, you are not the same 
And then mm-hmm. you go back to the Bible as a different person. And then the Bible transforms you back. It's like a back and forth uh, in the intentionality experience, intentional experience when you go to the work of art. It's like looking yourself in the mirror and say, hey, ah, oh, maybe I have something in my eye. So I take it out and I'm no longer the same person. Then you look at ours again. Oh, in the mirror. Oh, maybe I have this. So the same thing when you do that struggle with the word of God, you are able to have a better questioning uh, of your own faith. And we actually, as wrapping up this episode, we actually will encourage you not to do what everybody tells you to do, but to do what God is actually asking you to do. At some point in your life, you are going to have a different concept of who God is and shape your life around the concept that God is love. Mm. try it out but try it out not only uh, a mental uh, endeavor try it out in your own experience see see how your table is laid out there may be some things that you think that are compatible with the idea that god is love but as you are being in this spiral struggling more back and forth in the bible you will find that you will do that out of your own heart is different than someone tell you hey this does not fit in your table Well, that being said, join us. Look in the mirror. This is Christianity at its core. Yes. Not simply holding on to beliefs of old, like they're stone pillars, but instead making Christ the pillar at the center and changing daily and over years to become a different, a better person, seeing the world whole different, wholly different. And that adventure is exhilarating it's mm-hmm. challenging mm-hmm. but it's worth it and with that we'd love for you to connect with us yeah please connect with us we have a twitter account it's a clarity uh underline podcast we have a facebook uh facebook.com slash clarity podcast please uh rate uh review us uh, share with your friends if you like these conversations and we are in your favorite podcatcher we are Twitter and Facebook. We'd like to hear from you for sure. Well, thank you for giving us the opportunity of being part of your life and your journey for this episode. Please stay tuned for approximately every two weeks or 14, 15 days. I'm Ruben. And I'm Rich. And this was Clarity.